The biggest hurdle between me and eating healthy, delicious meals for lunch is decision fatigue. Honestly, by the time lunchtime rolls around, I've already made like a thousand decisions from what my toddler should wear to how much I want to argue with her about how you have to brush your teeth in the morning, you know? <laughs> for sure, for sure. No, I absolutely agree. And like I have taken to doing meal preps or like buying a bunch of ready to eat meals to like heat up quickly. And I recently tried Factor. And let me tell you, Factor is like 12,000 steps above and beyond any ready to meet eat meal I have ever tried before. That's right. Eating better is easy with Factor's delicious ready to eat meals. Every fresh, never frozen meal is chef curated, dietitian approved, and ready to go in just two minutes. You'll have over 35 different options to choose from every week, including Calorie Smart, Protein Plus, and Keto. And there are more than 60 add ons to help you stay fueled up and feeling good all day long. What are you waiting for? Get started and get after your goals. I tried the two-minute meals where I could fuel up fast with Factor's restaurant-quality meals that are ready to heat and eat wherever you are. And they also offer pancakes, smoothies, and more. There's a wide variety of easy options throughout the entire day, like breakfast, midday bites, and more. Plus, there's no prep and no mess. Factor meals are ready to heat and eat, so there's no prepping, cooking, or cleanup required. Factor is also flexible for your schedule. You can get as much or as little as you need by choosing your meals every week. Plus, you can pause or reschedule your deliveries anytime. Factor is the perfect solution when you're looking for fast premium options with no cooking required. And you don't want to make any more decisions because you're exhausted, like me. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Factor is less expensive than takeout and every meal is dietitian approved to be nutritious and delicious. Head to factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 and use code justbreakup50 to get 50% off. That's code justbreakup50 at factormeals.com slash justbreakup50 to get 50% off. Welcome to Just Break Up, the podcast about love, heartbreak, and all the relationship advice you don't want to hear. My name is Sierra DeMolder. And I'm Sam Blackwell. And this week, we're going to tackle topics like chemistry, the desperate search for closure, <laughs> and when you and your ex are in the same field, mm. field of work, not like a, a like physical a field. field. And also, you, yeah. you mm -hmm. said chemistry earlier, and I was like, oh, like the scientific study of... Yes, the field of chemistry. Maybe <laughs> that's where your ex Word and you Smith. hang out together. <laughs> this is all to say. Anyway. <laughs> not only are Sam we... and I not professionals, we think we're funny, which yes. is like a red flag <laughs> right away. Oh, absolutely. Because we make we make jokes about the multiple definitions of field. <laughs> that's the type of humor that Sierra and I like to spend our time in. <laughs> absolutely. Uh, this is all to say. Please take our advice as you see fit. We are not professionals. We are just here to offer our humble musings to hopefully shed some understanding and maybe some laughs on the incredibly rewarding but mostly confusing experience that is love. Sam, what is this week's check-in topic? Um, so this check-in topic was inspired by a letter. Um, the letter is from Completely Hopeless, whose pronouns are she, her, and who is writing from the void. And basically, the letter is about uh, how she was dating this guy, and he was, like, love-bombing and super into her, and then sort of disappeared and ghosted and she like couldn't figure out what was happening and like why he was like coming back into her life and then leaving it so abruptly. And it turns out it was because he was like in a very long-term monogamous relationship with someone else and ah. that she like turned out to be uh, the 
the person that he was having an affair with. Right. The um, quote other woman. Yeah. Yes. And I, yes. Um, Which is I like, just, why like, isn't like there, that's such a gendered, so gendered term. I know. <laughs> yeah, right. The other man. It was like, I was like the mistress and it's like, well, what's the, person. yeah, yeah totally. the other person, the, the unexciting the third. entanglement. Um, <laughs> yeah. The entanglement. There it is. Uh, <laughs> And basically the question was like, how do you handle finding out that you are the person with whom someone is having an affair? And like, what are your moral responsibilities in that situation to end the relationship, to tell the partner, to like, what are all of the things that we should be thinking about or doing if we find out that we have been entangled with somebody who's in a monogamous relationship with someone else? Yeah. So I don't know any of the answers to 90% of what you just said. <laughs> Perfect. Like you, picked, you picked this question. Yeah, I know. I know. Uh, mor- <laughs> morally, I think we could debate what you need to do, but I, I really don't know what the, I don't know if there's a right or wrong answer there. Um, hmm? But I will, what I do know, the 10% that I can answer is when this comes up, it's obvious that it can feel really disorienting and it can make you feel as though um, this is your fault or that there's some sort of sort of like narrative or story going mm. on that you, this is the type of love you deserve, right? That, you know, that they chose you to be this secret partner or like this side piece or whatever, and that you're not worthy of like, of the real monogamous relationship or whatever it is that you want. And uh, that's just not true. I think this is a perfect example of how someone else's behavior has literally nothing to do with us 99% of the time, right? You said mm-hmm. something in last week's episode about your post-it note on your computer that's mm-hmm. like, it's it's not about you or whatever. What does it say? Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not personal. Other people's reactions to you are not yours. Yeah, well, that's beautiful and maybe doesn't wholly apply <laughs> as I thought it did. But it, it does, meaning like, you know, this is not your mess. It's, you know, to use like a weird metaphor, like this man was like making a mess of his personal life, right? He's spilling Mm -hmm. shit everywhere. He's making unsustainable choices. He is, you know, he's hurting people behind their backs and they, you know, whatever he's, he's adding whatever messy chaos to his life. And that's all under the table. And he brought you to dinner and he put a tablecloth over the table and he said, look, I'm like this clean put together person who can offer you this life above the table. Right. And then you sat at the table and you're, you got your feet dirty. Whose fault is that? Mm-hmm. The You mm-hmm. who put your feet unknowingly in the mess or the person who made the mess in the first place. That's like the most extended mm-hmm. cha- chaotic metaphor, yeah, it was, but it, it was worked, very right? Like I got metaphor. there at the end yeah. of the day, you know, <laughs> <laughs> it worked, it worked at the end. <laughs> uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah, I also think that there's like a a gender piece to this too, which I think is important to call out as well, which, which is that like in situations like this where it's like a man who's in a relationship with another woman who has an affair, the blame like almost yes. always, or at least like the presumed blame is put on to the woman that he's having the affair with as if like she is somehow responsible Harlot. for his actions. Right, right? Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely. The sort of like mad men like having an affair with the secretary who like knowingly is like doing this thing to like get ahead, like this like bullshit sort of understanding of real complicated human interactions. 
Um, and so like, again, I just want to, you know, reiterate what Sierra said, which is like, it's not your fault that he did this thing. Right. And the fact that he lied to you isn't your fault. Like you didn't ask for it. You're not an idiot for believing the things that he was telling you. Um, and it's important to recognize that like the default of blame goes to the person who, uh, was like seducing this person in this married relationship when often that's not the case. Like when often, and it's also like our expectations for people to uphold the rules of their relationships should be on the people who are in the relationship. right? Right. Like, and not the people outside of it, especially when the people outside of it, like, didn't know it was happening. Genuinely right? didn't Who had know. to like, yeah. literally had to like go to their like his brother's Facebook page to like find pictures of him and his his partner. Um, and also, I think it's important to recognize too that like this isn't an uncommon place to be in yes. either, right? Like, I have been in a relationship with somebody who was also in another relationship. Me too, girl. knowingly. Yep. Mm-hmm. It was a, it was a, it was a time. It. You know, our 20s were like really, <laughs> really fun. Yeah. we made a lot of decisions. Um, Period. We just made a lot of decisions, like no adjectives. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> and like, I knew it. I knew what was happening yeah. and I continued to do it. Um, and I do think it's, it's all to say, like relationships are really complicated. And like, would I have done that again in my thirties? Who knows? <laughs> Probably not, but like we'll <laughs> but see. But who fucking knows, right? <laughs> yeah, honestly. Uh, I'd like to right? think so, that. Like, How about that? <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and there's like lots of different reasons for all of this. All this, to, like all of this, to absolve you of any sort of like pain or guilt you might be feeling about this situation, because it isn't your fault that this man literally lied to you, and then broke his own rules in yes. the relationship that he was in, right? Like, yeah. that's not that's not your job to to figure out. Um, and I don't think it's an, your job to, like, tell the, the partner either. Like, I mean, you can, but it's also, like, do you need that in your life? Yeah, do you, <laughs> do you need that? that energy for yeah. you to, like, have to go through this whole process? Like, maybe if you want to, like, punish him, which, again, like, I don't blame you for, for wanting to do that, but... It's all messy. It's all messy. Was my experience of of being in a situation like this? It's just. I like, think that you could just like wash your hands. Why am I doing like, this to oh myself? My God, thank God I'm not in that mess anymore. You know. For sure, absolutely. That, but it's hard. Like I, and I also don't like. I hopefully y'all have been listening to the show long enough to know that like Sam and I are not villainizing folks who cheat on their partners and folks who are in who are the third party or whatever we know that we do all sorts of fucked up things in this human experience that like we maybe wish we didn't do or didn't get into you know like our paths Mm -hmm. and our choices lead us all sorts of fucking crazy places you know (laughs) um and i can be anti-infidelity and also understand how and why people get into into and unfaithful relationships or whatever. Um, Absolutely. And I have to extend that compassion to other people so that I can therefore extend it to myself. Um, However, I don't have to nurture that relationship in my life. I don't have to, or that, that dynamic in my life. I don't have to um, participate in relationships that contribute to that sort of like chaotic, (laughs) messy energy that I don't want. And, and at the end of the day, this letter writer, I mean, it's just like a perfect example of like, yeah, 
if we haven't said it yet already, like, I'm sorry you got into this situation and I'm sorry you were lied to. You were lied to. So you were like, mm. you were moving through the world with this understanding um, that was not true. And you didn't ask for that. You didn't ask for this life experience. So how is it your fault? How, how would it mm -hmm. ever be a reflection of you when it was something you you didn't ask for or cultivate in any way? For sure. Yeah, I think when I was younger, I had some very like hard and fast ideas around cheating and this idea of like, I would never be yeah. involved in this type of thing. And like this example just goes to show that like, you you might never know that it's sure. happening until like after it's already happened. Um, and also like the complexities of relationships are just so much more nuanced than like hard and fast. But I also think that hard and fast thing was like me giving myself permission to judge other people for doing the thing that I thought was not good. Yeah. And then realizing that like, oh, that's right. We're all capable of, of doing things that are like not in alignment with our values. And, and like, that's just, that's just life. Like it's so much more important to spend time thinking about yourself and like what you're doing and how you're going about your world than it is to be like, I would never. And those people over there who do that type of thing are just like terrible people. Yeah, totally. I agree. I hope this brings you some, um, resolve and some comfort. Um, our dear letter writer, thanks so much for the topic, and we hope that this helps. Absolutely. Thank you for writing. All right, let's get into our first letter. It is from Ruby Sparks, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Confusion, Ohio. Dear Sam and Sierra, I have perhaps a strange and incoherent question. <laughs> Perfect. Uh, that is maybe more of a mixture of a question and a rambling reflection. Nonetheless, I'd be really interested in your thoughts on it. Basically, I'm trying to figure out whether chemistry is real, important, or not. For a long time, I've been operating with the understanding that what people refer to as, quote, chemistry or a spark in relationships is actually just a composite of a few basic compatibility things. Can we hold an interesting conversation without an awkward pause? Do we have a decent number of things in common? Do we find each other attractive? Do we have good compatibility in the bedroom? For me, this is what a spark always meant. Anytime I've told anyone we can't date because there was no spark, I've been actually referring to one of those core compatibilities. And any times I've dated someone who has ticked all these boxes, I felt intensely drawn to them with something I would have called chemistry. But now I feel confused. Recently, I started seeing a new person who ticks all the boxes for me, but for whom I just don't have that same intensity. The new guy is handsome, fun, intelligent, a great dresser, a good conversationalist, a good kisser, and we have tons in common and are looking for similar things. But much to my surprise, I don't feel any sort of intensity about him. And while I look forward to our dates, I don't have the same kind of flurried excitement that I had in the past. Is this a problem? It feels strange to date without intensity, sort of like I'm just on autopilot. But I also wonder if this is all just a matter of misbehaving attachment styles. I was really struck by this point in the book Attached, where they said that people with anxious attachment styles often get confused about what chemistry is. Basically, anxious people experience cycles of panic and relief in new relationships that they come to understand as sparks. Then, when they meet someone who is securely attached, who behaves consistently, they don't always feel a spark because there's no uncertainty about where they stand. 
That could be the case here. The people I've dated in the past have tended to be emotionally intense yet inconsistent, alternating between being all in and distant within short periods of time. This new guy is not like that at all. He's just been straightforward and consistent with no grand declarations about the future. And we always set the next date at the end of the current date. So I never have to wonder when I'm going to see him next or whether he'll disappear. I really like that about him. In fact, I like everything about him so far, but I'm struggling <laughs> with the lack of intensity I feel. And I don't know what to do about that, especially because I recognize that what I experienced as chemistry hasn't always led to a good, secure relationship in the past. Thanks so much for reading this and for all the work and heart you put into this terrific podcast. It's truly a highlight of my week to listen and hear your takes on problems, both similar and dissimilar to my own. And I wish we could all get a beer. <laughs> Here's <laughs> hoping you choose this poorly written mishmash of a letter. I wish I could articulate my thoughts more clearly, but the confusion in the letter is pretty accurate reflection of how confused I am about all of this. Thank you again. Mm. That's so charming because I thought that letter was like impeccably written. <laughs> Yeah, it was really great. Yeah. I think you were very clear about what you were asking, and uh, it's a really interesting question. Yeah, and it, and it sounds like you've you've been able to articulate the confusion, which is like half of the problem, I think, for me. Um, mm -hmm. I think that I definitely relate to this lived experience, both as a anxiously attached person and also as somebody who has experienced some relational abuse in my life, or to let's just say toxicity. Um, toxic relationships, like that sort of ebb and flow, that toxic rise and fall of somebody who is intense and then unavailable, who is obsessed with you and then ghosts you for a week, you know, like it is mm -hmm. wildly confusing to our actual like nervous systems <laughs> and <laughs> for sure. confusing for our hearts. And it does, it makes you feel like you are on a you're starving and then you 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 gobble it up when you can get it and then you go on this fast again and it's like a it's like these weird ebbs and flows that make you feel like you're just waiting for the next high literally you're you're waiting for them to like be into you again and that mm. um especially when we're younger i think that that can seem romantic it can see the drama of it and the inconsistency of it and the we always like to solve a problem so like back then when I was when in my 20s when I was like in similar dynamics I it was romantic and like titillating and frustrating and like oh I just could I could get drunk on the passion of it you know not really mm -hmm. knowing that that's like not the that's not the sustenance for a good relationship. That's not, it wasn't fueling me or nurturing me in any way. Instead, it was like keeping me in this middle ground um, and not building what the letter writer writes about, which is this sense of security. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I think it, it reminds me of that thing that your sister told you once about like, yeah, love is the person who makes you feel the most yeah. and sort of our, are rewriting yeah. yeah of that of that statement but just thinking about how it is sort of like culturally um ingrained in a lot of us that love should look like really intense like ups and downs or like a lot of like feeling whether that's like intense sexual attraction or like a lot of fighting yeah. or whatever it is um because love is about like the intensity of the emotions um, so I think that a lot of people probably struggle with this sort of parsing between like, oh, is my feeling of 
stability, a lack of interest? Or does it, does it mean that we're not as into each other as we should be in order to make this relationship work? Yeah. Um, and I would say that from my experience, similar to you, Ruby, like the, the relationships where I've had the most intensity of emotion um, in the beginning have been the relationships that have been least successful and also like most harmful for me yes. in <laughs> once they're over. Um, and the relationships where I have had a much sort of, I wouldn't even say slow, but like consistent growth in relationship with someone have been the ones that, if not more successful, have left me at least after the relationship <laughs> with an idea, with like more of myself intact, yes, right? Like, like, mm-hmm. like, honestly, like it was like, you know, we're going to break up because like, this isn't, this isn't working for us. Or like, there's, this isn't, it's not moving at the the pace that we want it to, or there's, you know, I think we tried it out and it, it isn't working for us. Cool. That's great. Because like, we were just trying this thing out and we were getting to know each other and we were trying to see if we were compatible and turns out we're not. So yeah great, let's end the relationship, but we're not going to like scream and fright and throw things at each other or like have to avoid each other for the rest of our lives because it's like, nope, cool. We tried this for six months and it wasn't, it didn't work out and cool. We can still figure out how to be like around each other. Yeah. Um, And also my current relationship, right? Like (laughs) my marriage was also like a, a consistent building, right? It was just like, we just kept doing it until suddenly it was like, you know, this is actually really working and we like really love each other and oh, we're really very compatible in so, so many ways. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I just like let's, let's do this thing. Um, and like our relationship continues to grow in that sort of steady pace. Like I thought that I was like ready to be married to Peter when I proposed to him, but like compared to now, <laughs> like oh, I was like, you know what I mean? Like, it's just like the the consistency of him being here and the consistency of our committing to each other in this relationship is what made the relationship not necessarily like the intensity of feelings that we had at the beginning. Cause that, I mean, they were there, but it wasn't like the most intense relationship I've ever had. Right. Like we weren't like, we weren't like, I wasn't constantly trying to like will him to text me back or whatever it was. It was just like, nope, cool. You want to hang out on Saturday? Great. Let's do it. Right. It was just like so consistent (laughs) and stable and steady. And it was great. And I, if I had given up this relationship because it was like, well, we're not fighting or we're not like, oh my God, I need to see you for seven days in a row and then not talk to you for three days. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Right. Like it's more just like, cool, let's do this. I would have missed out on what has been the most fulfilling relationship of my life. (laughs) You set me up perfectly for my like last two points, which is, um, you know, a long-term relationship, at least in my experience, isn't about a spark. It's about this consistency because the spark fades. So what's, what's behind that? What sort of stable Mm. peace can you find in this long-term place because it it fades into something so much more richer than a than a f- spark the ability to like trust and grow in within a love within a relationship is honestly y'all it's mm-hmm. so restful mm-hmm. it's so restful yep. i feel yep. i feel rested and sustained and supported um after a decade of these yo-yo relationships right <clears throat> and um So I want to share that perspective, but building off of something Sam said, 
to Ruby, I want to say it's okay to explore this relationship. You'll know. Yeah. Like, especially in these calm waters, in this like beautiful, calm, like imagine this relationship. You're in a fucking boat and you're, and you're, bo- you're boating out to the middle of this calm lake. And you don't have to cling to the side of the boat because you're not in the raging ocean or you're not in the whitewater rafters. <laughs> rafters. <laughs> I was trying to say rafting, rapids, whitewater rapids, yeah, yeah. you know. But, like, yeah. you're not so focused on just fucking surviving the boat r- trip. You can actually look around and say, is this, like, a body of water that I want to be in? I'm just going fucking ham with the metaphors. Yeah, you're all right over, all over it's the all metaphors. It's all sense, though. I feel like I'm on fire. <laughs> I'm on poetic fire. <laughs> Except for maybe it's just like a fever dream and like none of this is making sense. Um, mm-hmm. Anyway, so like the ability to like assess what the relationship when the waters are calm, it's a, it's a much more clearer. It's like a much more peaceful an organic yep. and um, sustainable way of reflecting on a relationship. So I'm going to give you full permission to like date this person for as long as you need to know you want to keep dating them. Right. Like, Absolutely. And then when, if it comes to a point where you're like, the vibe is not right, I'm still not feeling into you. Then you can, then you can know that you tried this out, this good love, this good potential love. You tried it out and it's for just sure. not for you. And that's perfectly fine. Absolutely. And just remember that in this moment that you wrote this letter to us, you liked everything about yeah. him, <laughs> right? Like, like you, you were like, all of these things are things that I really, really like. Um, and just keep reminding yourself of that. And eventually, if there are things that are like, I don't really like this about him, um, and those things are big enough to to outweigh the things that you do like, then great, you can make the decision to end the relationship, right? And also, like, if you wanted to break up with him, like, right now, you could if you wanted to, right? That is also an option. If that sort of intense chemistry is really important to you, that's okay. Like, it's not like you're, it's not like you're doing something wrong. Um, but I just want you to sit in the calmness of this moment and recognize that, like, right now this is working. So there's there's no need to do the thing that so many of us do, which is begin to start second guessing the second that things are calm, yes, right? Totally. It's like what's coming on the horizon? What's what's underneath the surface that's like gonna fuck this whole thing up? What am I missing? What sort of what sort of anxiety do I need to have about this? And I want you to just sit in the boat, in the lake, and just like enjoy the night sky, enjoy the sounds of the birds, enjoy the feel Come of on, the breeze, poet. and be like, <laughs> yeah, right, and be like, this is this is kind of good. This is kind of nice. I don't have to be worried about what's underneath the surface lurking underneath the surface to come get me. Cause yeah. it's just nice here. Yeah. And I want to say this dude might not be for you. And also this whole conversation makes me want to go hug Peter and Willow. <laughs> so like, <laughs> know, maybe right? that's like a good vibe <laughs> in your box. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Does, does my potential partner remind Willow or remind Sierra and Sam of their significant others? <laughs> That should not always be a threshold, like in my past. Yeah, I don't think so. Yeah, right. (laughs) Absolutely not. Anyway, my darling, we hope that this helps. I hope it brings some clarity to your confused mind. Um, Thanks so much for writing. We love you. 
All right, y'all know that Sam and I record every single episode of Just Break Up virtually. So I literally see this beautiful person on Zoom like multiple times a week. And every time Sam pops up into Zoom, I comment on their outfit. And I swear, like 99% of the time, I'm like, oh my God, that outfit is so cute. Where did you get it? Sam says quince. You too can upgrade your wardrobe with luxury essentials at unbeatable prices. Quince is here to transform the way you shop with a range of high quality items priced within reach. That's right. They have 100% Mongolian cashmere sweaters for $50, organic cotton sweaters, washable silk tops, and timeless 14 karat gold jewelry. And the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80% less than similar brands. By partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts out the cost of the middle person and passes that saving on to us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices and and premium fabrics and finishes. I love that. Y'all have heard me talk about my leather bag that I use as both a laptop bag and a diaper bag. And I love it because, (laughs) (laughs) honestly, it looks really cute in every single circumstance that I use it. Indulge in affordable luxury. Go to quince.com slash justbreakup for free shipping on your order and 365-day returns. That's quince.com slash justbreakup to get free shipping and 365-day returns. Quince.com slash justbreakup. All right, Head & Heart workers, you know I'm all about tackling our money shame and becoming fiscally empowered, regardless of how much money we make or how much debt we have. I think it's such a crucial step in our own self-acceptance and empowerment. That's why I love that today's episode is sponsored by Rocket Money. Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills. With Rocket Money, you can see all of your subscriptions in one place. And if you see something you don't want, you can just cancel it with a tap. You never have to get on the phone with customer service. They'll even try to get you a refund for the last couple of months of wasted money and negotiate to lower your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is take a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has helped save its members an average of $720 a year with over $500 million in canceled unwanted subscriptions. And listen, we always talk to you about like conflict styles and open and honest communications, but honestly, save your energy and get Rocket Money to cancel those subscriptions for you. (laughs) Stop wasting money. You don't need to practice that. Yeah. (laughs) We don't need to do head and heart work with like customer service representatives. You know what I mean? Like just like... Use the middle person. (laughs) Just get Rocket Money in there to help you do what you need to do. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. That's rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. Rocketmoney.com slash justbreakup. All right. Our next letter comes from Overstepper, who is writing from Illinois and whose pronouns are she, her. To be clear, she also says that she's not from Chicago, (laughs) just to be clear. (laughs) Hi, guys. I've tried writing this three times now, and I don't know where to start. I don't want this to be overly long, but I also want some advice because I feel terrible. 
I want to start out by saying that I didn't want to break up with my ex. As I'm writing this, I can 100% say that I feel like I've made a mistake and I love him dearly. He's a wonderful human and extremely talented and he deserves the world. I felt so safe with him around, but that's not why I'm writing you. I'm writing you because I've sadly overstepped my boundaries after the breakup and feel very bad about it and have made things worse by trying to overcorrect them. My ex-boyfriend, 31 male, and I, 27 female, broke up in December, going on three years. I broke up with him randomly one night because although he is all of the things that I listed above, he's one of the most nihilistic people I've ever met in my life. He had absolutely no plans for me, didn't want to move in together or get married or even plan really anything. His reasoning was because one, his parents hate each other, and two, nothing ever works out anyways, so what's the point? Quote, He's also a terrible communicator. It got to the point toward the end that whenever I would vent, instead of coming up with something, he would leave me on red and send me a meme 20 minutes later to try and change the subject. So long story short, I didn't feel like he cared if I was in his life or not. And sadly, maybe I'm right. I do want to say that on top of the bad communication and no plans, I do know that I broke up with him for the sake of trying to get a reaction Mm. and that backfired. The night I broke up with him, all he said was, okay, he gave me a hug, didn't fight it, and let me leave. I waited until 2 a.m. to see if he would say anything, and he didn't. So I reached out, saying I was very confused as to why he had nothing to say to me. That's when he replied that he was, quote, also confused because it came out of nowhere that he felt sick and he felt embarrassed for not being enough for me, that I have been loved deeply, and that he's so fucking sorry that he he couldn't be what I needed. Mm. Fast forward a couple weeks, I wanted to talk. I know, already breaking a boundary. However, I realized I made a mistake, so I tried to reach out and never got a reply. He ghosted me for three months. Then, in March, my apartment caught on fire, and I needed help moving my burnt furniture and new furniture, and I didn't feel like I had any other options but to reach out. He replied. After the fire, he continued to talk to me like we were friends again for about a week. He would send me memes, sent my sent me his meal plan that he was following, and talk to me about the gym. So I decided to ask some questions about our relationship to which he would end up ghosting me again. I finally just asked if he would be willing to try again because I regretted it and asked him to please say something, anything. He replied to me saying, it didn't work the first time. I don't know why we would try again. I'm sorry I ghosted you, but I don't know what you want me to say. You came over and broke up with me and I said, and I would be better with someone else. And then you tried to reconcile and I didn't know how to handle all of that. So I bowed out. I'm so sorry I hurt you. I know that wasn't the right thing to do, but it's what I felt I needed to do at the time. I helped you with your couch because you needed help. Quote, I never heard from him again. I want to interrupt here and say that this man was my best friend. I can 100% say that this isn't shocking to me what he did looking back. However, I thought he would have at least mustered up something to say to me because he is just genuinely a nice person. However, anything that requires emotion, I've noticed that he reacts the same. So I'm writing you because of what I did after this. I wanted closure. I never got it. So I went over there one night crying, bawling, actually, looking for an answer. He had nothing to say to me. He stood there, said not one word, and watched me cry. I'm not being dramatic when I say he did not say anything to me, by the way. So I left. Fast forward again, there were many attempts at getting answers and reaching out and him ignoring me. So eventually I messaged him asking him to block me. I know it seems weird, but I know myself and I knew I would keep reaching out. He didn't want to. At one point, at one point he did reply saying that. 
but he eventually did on all platforms and my phone number. So up until two weeks ago, I hadn't heard anything from him. So I tried to go over there again. I overstepped again, but I went over there with good intentions simply because the last message I sent him wasn't nice. And God forbid that be the last thing I ever say to him. However, the conversation turned into me asking him why he never has anything to say to someone he just spent three years with, and him just saying, I don't know what you want me to say, over and over. He said, I care about you, but there's nothing to say. So at one point, I said, I really wish you were honest with me about why you didn't fight for me that night. If you didn't love me, you could have just said something, because my opinion is that you wanted this to happen but didn't feel brave enough to do it yourself. And he said, that's not true. And so I said, well, if you don't love me now then just tell me because you've said nothing to me for months. And he said, I'm not saying that to you. And I said, just tell me you don't love me anymore and you never want to be with me again. To which he repeated back word for word, fine, I don't love you anymore and I don't want to be with you ever again. So I said, thank you. You could have said that and this would have been a lot easier. I haven't reached out since. I love him. I told him that. I lost my best friend. I 100% have no idea if he doesn't love me anymore, but I'm taking what he said verbatim. I may never know, but I'm taking the no reaching out as a sign. But I'm writing you because I look back and realized I handled everything so wrong. I feel terrible and have put someone I care about into a situation that they simply couldn't process. I overstepped every possible boundary from the moment I tried getting a reaction out of him by breaking up and continued to do so for seven months. I'm an awful human being and I'm struggling with how to move past that. So that's what I'm asking for help on. P.S. For fun, do you think that he meant what he said or just repeated it so that we wouldn't have to have that combo again? Thank you if you read all of this. Oh. Thank you so much for writing. Oh, um, and for listening to the podcast and trusting us with this story. Um, all right. So I'm going to affirm you first. Um, I So you know that you behaved poorly. You wrote that in the letter. You described it as such. You regret overstepping those boundaries over and over again. And you can see now how that behavior did not lead to the outcome you wanted and and actually contributed to some suffering, right? And I just Mm want to say, like, I've done that. I have been the ex calling at all hours of the night, crying. Um, I have been the person who overstepped the the ex's like request for like no contact, things like that. Um, and I have looked for closure or affirmation or something from these people in, a, in really toxic ways, um, in similar ways. So I just want to absolve you, absolve you of feeling like the most fucked up person because of this behavior. And also my, my similar behavior was actively hurting me. It actively mm. hurt me for me to make those choices and to and to to carry out those actions. It hurt me to call my ex over and over again in the middle of the night and not hear back from them. It hurt me to um, project my tax my my toxicity or like my needs onto other people um, instead of actively trying to heal myself. It it was and and I mean this with the utmost seriousness, that behavior was never soothing regardless of the result I got from it, regardless if they said the exact thing I wanted to hear, it was never soothing. It was never what brought me peace and it was never what brought me healing. And I think it's clear to you that you need to find a way to actually wholly let this go. The shame of this, the regret, 
the need for information and the need for mm. validation or for this to be what it wasn't because it is it. it. We need to let go the need for this to be different in, for the, as the first step for us to accept this. That's closure, accepting that this is what happened. That's closure. Yeah. Not hearing someone say the exact script that you wrote for them to say. He, mm -hmm. Another thing you can't, you, in your PS, you say like, you know, did he, did he actually mean it or did he just say it because I asked him to? Um, and you also said at a point in your letter, like, um, he doesn't say, you know, he hasn't said anything. He doesn't respond emotionally. Um, if he had just said this earlier, this would have all been, you know, we, we wouldn't have to do all of this, but I want to remind you lovingly and with a lot of grace that, your ex has a right to leave you when you act out. He has a right to he has a right to break up with you, as we all have a right to break up with other people. And you don't need to look for any more signs or interpret any more of this, um, because he's he's he said words. You you quoted them to us verbatim, and those mm -hmm. words are what we're going to take him at. We're going to take him at those face value because he said them, and we need to. Like the love and respect that you have for this ex needs to transform into actions. And, and the first action will be believing what he's telling you through his mm -hmm. words and actions. And he said, unfortunately, and I know this hurts your heart, um, that he doesn't want to be with you anymore. And that this behavior is, is putting him in really impossible situations. Um, it's not an emotionally safe thing to do to show up to people's houses and and sort of force an emotional response from them. That's, that's not vulnerability. That's like a hostage situation. And I say that yep. so bluntly, um, not because I think you're a terrible person. I don't, I have love for you. I have respect for you. I see myself in you. I say that so bluntly because I'm also here to protect your boyfriend's emotional safety in space. And if this was a behavior like, not to bring gender into everything, but it fucking totally is. If, you're, if your boyfriend was coming up to your house routinely after you told them not to talk to them um, and he was like coming to your house, I would say that he's stalking you, right? And mm -hmm. I know that's mm -hmm. a big scary wor word and I know that it doesn't feel good when we enact toxicity like that. It doesn't feel good. Um, For sure. But that discomfort is not meant to say I'm a bad person. This that discomfort is meant to tell us we have the opportunity to do something differently next time. We are all yep. doing the best that we can right now in this moment, and we can learn from moments as we move forward. Please know that I love you and I respect you, and I don't think you're a terrible person. And also, I see like a lot of serious things in this that I want to call out, uh, not call out, call in, acknowledge, name, help you unpack. Um, so that you can start to heal because you deserve to heal from this relationship. And so does your ex. You deserve to, you deserve to, to mourn peacefully and, and in that peace, be able to rebuild. Yeah. And I think it's interesting what, or what might be helpful or what I'm curious about is to think about like, what is the story you're telling yourself about your needs that they, that you have to constantly justify them, right? Like yes. you have to constantly like grab people by the hair and say, look at these. Do you not see them? They yes. are here, yes. right? Like what's the story you're telling yourself about and where how did you learn that? unimportant, right? Like, yeah. And where did you learn that from? What, 
this narrative that you have around the idea that your needs are unimportant. And so you have to force people to look at them, to see how much they're hurting you so that they can understand it, right? Because you are in a relationship that frankly doesn't sound great, right? And you had needs in that relationship that were going unmet. Right. And rather than saying, oh, I have needs in this relationship and those needs deserve to be met in a meaningful way, or at least deserve to be attempted to be met in a meaningful way. And so I'm going to end this relationship. Instead, it was this, this man's not meeting my needs. And so, and obviously my needs are unimportant. So I have to do some sort of acting out to get him to see that these needs are are here. I have to sort of punish him and myself in some way for having these needs and for having these needs go unmet. And that's what I'm seeing here in all of this, right? Like you showing up at your his house is not about closure. It is about you trying to, yeah. to scream to the loudest, as loud as you possibly can to everyone around you that your needs are real. And I want to tell you, I believe that they're real. I believe that you were unhappy in this relationship with this man. I believe that you are deeply hurting by this thing that you did, yeah. this mistake that you made to end this relationship when you didn't really want to. And I I see the hurt and pain in the actions that you're taking to try and just get someone to see how deeply hurt you are. Um, and I'm sorry that that is happening. I'm so sorry that 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 you feel so unseen that you need to do this type of behavior to get someone's attention for how much pain you're in and how much you need from people and from yourself. But that doesn't make you a bad person. That just makes you a human being. We all have needs. And one of the things that we can do to, to stop acting out in this way, right? Like, and I have done it too, like to be clear, <laughs> right? Like I have done shitty things this to exes. This is how we were taught 100%. to get our needs met. We were taught to get our needs <laughs> Absolutely. met like this. By acting out in this way, right? Because yeah. we have been told over and over again that our needs aren't important, that our needs don't need to be met, that we are entitled or we're stupid or we're a burden if we ask for things from people. Um, but one of the things that have helped has helped me in recognizing this is the fact that my needs are only going to be met by people when I ask for them in a way that is like actually attuned to what the needs are, right? And so I have to do a lot of internal work to say, okay, what is coming up for me in this moment? What is the thing that I actually need? What's the story I'm telling myself about this situation? So that if I'm in a place where I'm like, I really want to just lash out at people being like, okay, well, lashing out, that's a familiar thing for me. And it, I know that it doesn't work. So what's at the core of this? What do I need? What am I, what am I need to be asking for? Um, and then finding ways to ask for those things, not necessarily from the person who I broke up with and who has told me multiple times <laughs> that they don't want to yeah. see me. Uh, but like, what are the needs or what are the the self-soothing that I also can do for myself, right? Because that's that's the thing, like, this man told you multiple times that he didn't want to be with you. Like, you lay out some of the things verbatim. Also, he stopped responding to your texts for three months. Also, he stopped responding to your texts after you had another conversation. Yeah. And he told you, like, this isn't this isn't working. I'm bowing out. I, I'm sorry I hurt you. I only am helping you because you needed help, right? Like... Part of this is also listening to what other people are telling us as well and recognizing that like it might not be exactly what we want to hear, right. 
but that the person is telling us things about what they want from us as well. Like you got the closure, I think the night of, right? You got the closure that this man was like, I'm sorry, I wasn't enough for you. Like that feels like a pretty definitive breakup statement to me, right? Like that feels like a, okay, this is ending type of situation. Um, And I'm sorry that that's happened. Like, again, it's just like, I'm, it's what a shitty way to end a relationship. Not like shitty that you like to blame you, but just like a shitty situation for you both to be in that because breakups fucking suck. There's like no good breakup. So I want to say this, that the behavior that you're doing isn't helping anyone. And in fact, I think it's causing active harm to like you and to your partner or to your ex. And I think that you know that. And I also want to say that this behavior isn't because you're a monster. This behavior is because there are parts of you that are hurting and that need attention. And that attention is not going to come from this man who's told you multiple times he's not going to pay attention to your hurt, right? He's told you that multiple times. So where are the places where you can find the time and attention and love that you need in order to be able to see those hurt parts of yourself and see them as infinitely valid and worthy of being taken care of? Not by this man who's told you that he doesn't want to, but by you, by the other people in your life, by two podcast hosts across the country who are telling you, yes, you're hurting, you're hurting, you're hurting, you're hurting, and it's okay to be hurting. And it's okay to need things when you're hurting. You don't have to scream from them, from somebody who doesn't want to hear those things. Yeah. And I I think about a couple episodes ago, I had like this personal epiphany about boundaries that I thought boundaries were a team event, (laughs) you know, I thought that boundaries were like, were, were, wasn't, I thought a boundary was an action performed by two people. Right. And instead it is an internal thing, right? It is, is one person's responsibility for how they want to manage their boundaries and other people are not responsible for upholding our boundaries. Right. Similarly, I'm having a similar epiphany about our needs, right? Sam is 100% correct. We all have needs. We all need other people and we all deserve to be seen, heard, affirmed, loved in the way that we need by other people. People need other people, period. This is not a flaw in our systems. Nope. And also a new idea about needs is it starts with us. A need is not... An action is it's not like a two person thing, right? Just just like boundaries is not like a two person actions where one person says a boundary and the other one automatically respects it. A need is also not like that. A need starts with you. A need doesn't guarantee that another person is going to fill it. A need doesn't yep. guarantee that you um you know that they're going to be capable of filling it in the way that you want. A need doesn't even guarantee that your need is coming out in a healthy or sustainable way, you know, um, a need, how do we get our needs met? It starts with us. It starts with you. How are you learning about your needs? How are you understanding your needs? How are you articulating your needs? That I want to just reiterate, like what Sam said, we all deserve to have our needs met and also our needs start with us. Right. Mm -hmm. And, I think about, you know, what caused you to break up with your boyfriend in the beginning, you know, as a way of acting out. Okay, let's start with you. What was your need there? What did you need from him? 
And mm-hmm. so maybe you needed different emotional connection. Maybe you needed different levels of affirmation. Those needs are real. Okay, start with you. How are you going to get that need met? Are you going to, can you calmly articulate these? This is my boundary. This is my need. This is what I, this is what I need to sustain me. Can you give me that? Can you meet me here? Um, can mm-hmm. you, can you show me actual effort? Or we can, we can have that need come out in a much more unstable way, right? A way that doesn't honor us or honor our partners, right? Mm-hmm. I just want to remind you that like, being truthful with ourselves, like being comfortable with our sloppiest, most painful selves. Um, <laughs> yeah. Being honest with yourself is a form of self-love. And again, it starts with us. So before you look externally again, before you say, well, what did he mean by this exact words that I told him to say? Or what did he mean with these actions when he didn't text me? Or how am I going to deal with him, my last interaction with him being a painful one and not a positive one? I want you to look to you first. What is your fear there? That somebody's not going to like you or somebody's going to like see your worst self? Okay. That worst self is lovable. Mm-hmm. Not by this person who has told you repeatedly that they are not capable of loving you, right? Mm-hmm. Um, I know that's like a little like long-winded, weird uh, trail into my brain <laughs> there. Um, yep. But a lot of what this letter is telling me is a disconnection of self, right? And an, an, uh, and an unvalidating of self, as Sam said, like, my needs aren't valid, so they have to come out in this way. Or if I ask for what I need then it makes the response somehow disingenuous, you know? Yep. Which is something we've been trained Ooh, that's in. That's a big one. Yeah, we've been For trained sure. in um, like rom-coms or, or just like, I don't know, popular culture that like, if you say yep. like, will you please rub my back instead of somebody saying, do you want a back rub? somehow they are like categorized differently in our brains. Oh, for sure. Yeah. It's like, I don't want you to do the ditch or I don't want you to do the dishes because I asked you, I want you to do the dishes because you want to do the dishes. And it's like, what an unreasonable expectation of somebody. Of ourselves, of everybody. wants to do the dishes. Our partners are not brain readers, right? (laughs) We are not brain readers. Like we can't, brain readers, mind readers. Yeah, brain readers. You said it twice. Uh, classic brain reader just yeah. break up um anyway For sure. uh, anyway our partners are not mind readers mind readers um and so it starts with us it starts with you how can you validate yep. your needs how could you untangle the the knot of understanding that your needs need to be loud um and active and um anticipated and instead, can they be those calm waters that we talked about earlier? Can And can yep. you say, can you meet me here? And when they don't meet you there, you know that's when that's not your fucking lake. You know that's when you get out, right? Because yep. you deserve better. Yep. Absolutely, to all of that. And I just want to be really clear that this man does not have answers to the questions that you have. He does not. He doesn't have yeah. them. He's told you multiple times he, what do you want me to say, right? He doesn't have answers to the questions that you're asking. And so the thing that you can do in this moment is to find those answers for yourself. Why did this relationship end? 
because we were unhappy together, because he was nihilistic, because he couldn't give me any promises for the future, because he didn't care about the same things that I cared about. Yeah. That's why the relationship ended. And like ra- radical because- self-acceptance. You can say, why did it sure. end? Because I chose a line of actions and it had, and he reacted to them and he, he reacted in a way that didn't, didn't rebuild, didn't repair. Yep. He chose not mm-hmm. to repair it. And that's, that is the radical acceptance. We couldn't fix it. Which is, and radical acceptance is also that he chose not to fix it. Yeah, totally. Right? He chose to not be in this relationship. He chose to not try and figure it out. He chose to just disappear, right? Like that's the the, yeah. the actual like description of what's happening here. Not that he's holding out on some sort of yes. answer that's going to make everything yes, more Sam. clear. The fact that he chose to not be in this relationship with you is is the truth. And accepting that and recognizing that you don't want to be in a relationship with somebody who does not want to be in a relationship with you can help turn this from an like a fishing expedition into a much more wholesome and much more nutritious line of questioning, which is about, okay, how does it feel? to know that there's somebody who I really love who doesn't want to be with me. It's painful. How does it feel to have my needs go unmet in this relationship and still really love this person? How does it feel to to know that I'm going to have to start a new relationship with someone, that I'm going to have to do this again, right? Like sitting in those emotions rather than trying to find the answer that's going to make those emotions somehow go away number, or number, feel more D, clear. All shitty. <laughs> That's yeah. the answer, by the way. <laughs> exactly, yes. Number uh, D is what I said, by the way. Fuck. Yeah, you did. <laughs> letter D. Answer option letter D. Yes. Um, that's where, that is where the growth and the healing comes from. Not from something this man is going to say to you because he's just going to repeat back the thing you tell him to say because he's literally said to you multiple times, I don't know what else you want me to say. Right. I don't know what what is the thing. What is the answer that you're looking for? He doesn't have it. So where does it reside in you and how can you find Mm, it? Beautiful, Sam. Um, My darling, I know we said a lot of like heavy and direct things to you right now. And that's because we love you and we respect you. Mm -hmm. And we want want to help liberate you from this cycle that you found yourself caught in. Because we know that your true peace and healing and, and honestly, like a healthier love is in that work. It's not in this constant churning that you find yourself in. Mm-hmm. That is, again, deeply relatable to both of us. So <laughs> absolutely. please know uh, we love you so much. We do. Thank you so much for writing. And we hope this helps. Before we start this letter, we want to do a quick trigger warning for relationship violence and self-harm. Our last letter comes to us from Traumatized Parks and Rec, whose pronouns are she, her, who is writing to us from Appalachian Apocalypse. Salutations, Sam, Sierra, and Spencer. Longtime listener and even longer fan of Sierra's poetry. Oh, thanks. My best friend and I can probably still recite every line of unrequited love poem to each other and, in fact, have before when we were probably 16. Uh, That's very cute. And also the sister quote that um, Sam mentioned earlier, um, a soulmate is a person who makes you feel the most is from that poem. So you guys can find that on YouTube right now. (laughs) Uh, That was like an unhealthy relationship, but a great poem got out of it. (laughs) Awesome poem. Okay. I was unhealthy. That that one always got tens. Yep. (laughs) 
Collectively, all of y'all's words have gotten me through some of the worst times and helped me celebrate and value some of my best. Aw, thank you so much for what you offer the world. I write to y'all from my porch in the midst of a magnificent Tennessee rainstorm. However, I wish that I was feeling as strong as the chorus of thunder and flashes of lightning that I see happening in the distance. My reason for writing is concerning my ex. We'll call him Kay, he, him. Kay and I dated in college for about three and a half years, and it was one of the lowest points of my life. I met him through my roommate at the time briefly, and then we became closer over the course of being in the same class the following semester. As it turns out, we both had the same major in environmental science. We were both with other people at the time, but I would say within a year of meeting, we both ended up leaving our prospective partners and began our tumultuous relationship. Let me tell you now, people tell you not to date coworkers, but the real threat is someone in your major. They'll haunt you for the rest of your career. <laughs> That's cute. Uh-huh. Uh, it, at the time we began our toxic love, we were both very depressed. We were so young and caught up in finding ourselves, dealing with childhood trauma and other mental illnesses. We both participated in self-harm, and Kay had a rather debilitating dependence on alcohol. However, over time, I got better, and he did not. Although 21 to 23-year-old me would never admit it out loud, our relationship was downright gruesome. Kay was incredibly abusive. He was very codependent and relied on me for his mental stability and moral compass. He used to get drunk and would say things that were so vulgar, violent, and cruel that I believe my brain has blocked out most of them. He cheated on me, pushed me into walls, spit in my face, self-harmed right in front of me, and emotionally made me feel like I was nothing but a burden. At the worst of times, there was even gun violence. Eventually, the gun violence got so bad that my parents launched a Title IX investigation with our college, which I had to lie in so that I wouldn't lose my place living with him as he had isolated me from most everyone else in my life and I don't live near my family. I needed to stay out to finish my degree, even though his abuse made it very difficult. The horrors of this relationship have shaped my life greatly, but I've gone to an abundance of therapy since. I'm now with a loving man whom I have been friends with for years. We live together with our three cats and I don't think I've ever been happier. He knows about a lot of my trauma and is endlessly supportive and understanding. I could not have dreamed of a better partner or a better love than the one we've cultivated. I have begun to even get jobs in my own field with my environmental science degree. However, there's trouble in paradise. Shortly after starting my new job in my city's parks department, I found out that my boss knows my ex and he, as well as a few mutual friends, informed me that Kay was trying to get a job working for the city as well. Perhaps he wouldn't be in the same department as me, but he would probably be in one in which I'd have to work with often. I informed my boss of my previous relationship with him and some of the abuse I suffered at his hand. I know he won't get a job in my department, but what isn't in my department, I have very little control of over. I reached out to my HR department three times and even in person, and I've heard nothing back in the last month. At this point, I feel so scared and, and feel defeated. What if I spent all this time getting a degree alongside this monster who made it so much harder for me, keeping me up, scarring me, keeping me attached to his strings of abuse that led me to fail and retake countless classes over our three years together? And then I just have to leave this job I've worked so hard to get because he pops up. I don't think that there is anyone to go to over at the Inaccessible Human Resources Department. So where else do I turn? 
Do I keep working and continue to live with this shadow of fear creeping up behind me? Do I find another job? It's been over a year and a half since I left him, and I just was starting to feel like I had my life back. I'm really struggling with this man going from being something that was in my rearview mirror to once again a spoken fixture in my life and home. My current partner is even affected by this. I can tell that he's filled with sorrow and anger towards Kay to see me so beat down by this. What's a gal to do? Any head and heart work to get started with? Should I just move and accept that I'll never feel safe in this city again? I can't get over the feeling of how defeated I feel. That even though I haven't spoken to this man in over a year, he still has such a grip on me. Any words of encouragement are appreciated. Godspeed. Traumatized Parks and Rec. Oh, Traumatized Parks and Rec. Thank you so much for writing and for trusting us with this question. Uh, First of all, I just want to say... I'm so sorry that you experienced this level of abuse from a person who uh, said that they loved you. Um, And it sounds like the years that you were with this person uh, were incredibly traumatic um, and filled with a lot of things that would, um, I think, cause a lot of pain and harm to anyone who was in them. Um, And I'm so thankful that you found your way out of that relationship. I'm so thankful that you have found a person and cats who bring joy to your life, which is great. Um, And that you have the opportunity to enjoy thunderstorms when they roll through your town, uh, through your city. Um, But I know that the, the impacts of this kind of trauma and abuse are long-term and that you're still grappling with them even a year after the, not having talked to him in that, in that year. Um, and as somebody who um, has also been, has had experience with trauma and um, has been sort of grappling with that, um, I know how much it sucks to be a year, two years, five years out from the situation and still be like, it's still here, right? It's still in me. Um, and how deeply frustrating that can feel because it it feels like if we're doing the work we should be able to excise it from our body, yes. right? We should be able to cut it out like a tumor and and throw it out. Um, and at least in my experience, that hasn't been true. Um, so I just want to say I'm I'm so sorry that you're sitting here a year later and still thinking like it's in me still, it's yes, still there, totally. and I and I've done all of this work to try and to try and get rid of it. Yeah, and if you're a poetry lover, um, still like. You know, when I wrote about my first abusive relationship in my third book, We Slept Here, um, I remember describing, you know, in casual conversation and in poems that sort of dealing with the aftermath of a toxic relationship was felt like like pulling nails out of my body. You know, I would find them Mm. months, years later and like have to like deal with that nail, like exercise it from my body and from my spirit. Um, and it's such a heavy sensation. It's just, the grip of it is frustrating. It's scary. It makes you feel as though you don't, um, have agency in your life or safety. And I know that that is exhausting. I know that right now, even in this thunderstorm, this, the labor of this, you know, there's physical fear, they're the mental negotiations of like, who should I tell? How should I tell them? Um, am I going to be safe? How, how can I keep myself safe? And the, the emotional preparedness that we have to do to protect ourselves in situation like this, 
it's it's quite the emotional load to add to somebody who's already healing from trauma, right? Mm. Mm-hmm. And so, like Sam said, we we feel for you, and I just want to acknowledge all that you're carrying right now, like emotionally, spiritually, energetically, whatever, however you're carrying that. Um, so, Sam and I, before we started recording, we talked about this letter and how we wanted to approach it, and I said something like, you know, it's it's one of those situations where I don't have or I feel like I don't have a ton of direct advice or that like, I guess my main priority is just that you feel seen and affirmed. Um, mm. I, I, but the couple of things that I am going to tell you or Sam and I are going to tell you, I want to come with this big caveat, which is, you know, last, last episode we joked that like, we're not lawyers and we like can't give you legal advice on the holistic side of that. I want to say like, I want you to listen to your instincts about what you need to feel and be physically safe. And if you have to mm-hmm. quit this job, you have to quit this job. It's it's unfortunate. And also your safety, your physical being takes precedent over this career move. Yep. I am not the one to tell you to do that. I don't know what it's like in your life, in your body. I don't know what the actual physical safety issues are here. Right. And so I just want to say very explicitly that like, if you need to make these really hard decisions and step away from this space, shared potential shared space with this abuser, then I want you to know you have my full support. You have my encouragement Mm -hmm. and fucking Mm -hmm. let me know your Venmo and I'll send you some money to help you move, you know? (laughs) Um, And that being said, what I'm about to say is, is going to be in support of you staying at this job. But please recognize the nuance in that, that you are, that you know this situation way more than these two strangers, right? Um, Yep. And I want, you know, I'm going to answer this letter in my idealized world. Like, I'm going to answer this letter in a way in which you don't have to give up this job because this schmuck is coming back into your life, right? Mm -hmm. And also we know that the world's not like that. And we know that, that people's physical safety can be can be threatened by the brokenness of other people all the time. Um, yep. I also want to acknowledge uh, just a little about like HR departments in general. Um, <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I think we can just like collectively acknowledge as a just breakup community that much like other things in our emotionally neglectful culture. HR departments are not eh, historically <laughs> set up <laughs> to support the best interests and safety of their workers. They are built to protect the companies, right? Right. So it's not yep. surprising to me that you have not had like a warm and like healing experience with your HR department, right? Do you agree? Yep. I think even if the HR uh, department in your city is taking the thing seriously. They probably won't communicate a lot about it because of too. because they are often very very concerned about privacy for a good reason in some instances and in other instances maybe not. But they're often very concerned about privacy and and sort of keeping things like in closed file cabinets. So who knows what has been done yeah. with the 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 warning that you've given. Um, and 
you know, we can hope that they are doing something about it, even if they're not communicating with you. And also they may not be doing anything with it because often this might be something that is out of the depth of an HR department. You know what I mean? Like HR departments for sure handle stuff like this, but like often it's like benefits, right? And like payroll, (laughs) you know, like that's the like bread and butter of the HR department. And so like when stuff like this happens, um, there's often not a lot of support or rules for like how they're supposed to handle it. So not trying to like throw HR professionals under the bus, but also just recognize like the inherent limitations of the ways that HR departments are actually set up and designed and supported. They're asked to deal with a lot. And I mean, I wonder if it's also like a capacity thing. That being said, um, (laughs) oh, well, and then one more little caveat, like, I'm sorry, you have to do this labor, right? Like, I'm sorry that this is another thing on your uh, the list of like the the mental exhaustion that you have to deal with to like process through this shitty relationship that you just want to be done with you just want to be done with it um yep i'm going to tell you unfortunately like do that like just a couple more times <laughs> it would be like my small piece of advice um and i, I i'm glad what sam said what he said like these people might might not respond there might be a privacy issue i would just say like stay on hr um to the extent of your ability um, or like comfortability or like feel it out. Um, I would maybe like ask your boss to submit something. I I don't know. Fuck. I work for myself for a podcast. So like my (laughs) HR department is Opal, my dog. Um, Cute. She's terrible at her job, but she looks good doing it. (laughs) Uh, Anyway, um, I just like, yeah, maybe, maybe that's a bad advice, but that was like, an instinctual thing that I felt um, when I first read the letter moving on after those million caveat things uh, again, in this idealized world in which like, you know, there is justice and things make sense. um, I think that I just, I guess I want to tell you that like, I believe you and I believe in you. Um, I believe in your resiliency and your community and your relationship and your healing. And I believe that you and your therapist and your loved ones can, can create some strategies that will empower you uh, to keep what you've, this hard earned life of yours that will, that won't, that will hopefully again in this idealized fantasy of mine will, won't, won't allow him to take your life from you again you know, and these, mm-hmm. these choices and these strategies and this, and this, this new navigation might be a day-to-day moment-to-moment thing because we all know that healing isn't linear. Healing is an everyday thing. It's not a threshold that we pass through. It is a lifestyle, if I dare to say that annoying word, um, because I can't think of another one. Um, this man is not the captain of this ship anymore. Lots of boat and water. Yeah. Lots of boat. Yeah. What's great is that I wrote that note before we got into that metaphor. So just full circle (laughs) called a callback in writing. So um, that's right. You got a, you got water on the mind. Yeah. uh, He's not the captain of this ship anymore. And in my heart wants to tell you how much I believe in you, like how resilient you are, how look at how much you've survived already. If this motherfucker gets a job down the hall from you 
fuck that man, right? Fuck that man. Mm -hmm. I hope he's Mm -hmm. nervous as hell to work with you. I hope he feels (laughs) like shit. And I, I honestly, like, the picture that you painted, I don't mean this to extend compassion to him. I just, like, I bet he does feel like shit. Like, the chaotic, traumatic, toxic abusive relationship of his youth he knows everything he fucking did wrong there and i hope he's like reveling mm-hmm. in it i hope he in like in like a learning way <laughs> you know sure yes i yep. hope he mm-hmm. i hope he's like like bathing in those regrets do you know what i mean and i hope yep. i hope when that motherfucker applies for a job he's like oh my god i'm gonna have to see that person again um i hope she's not telling everybody how awful i was spoiler alert she told everybody you you're awful <laughs> <laughs> I have no compassion for him right now. Um, uh, You know, again, like I said, like when we were talking about how to answer this letter, this letter is one of those situations where I, I don't know if I have any actual tangible advice for you. So the best thing I can do is affirm you, tell you, I hear you, I see everything you're carrying. And then also be like a cheerleader for you. You know, that's what I'm trying to do by telling you like, I think you're so fucking strong and you're brave to be even in work. You're brave to be going to HR. You're brave for telling your story. Um, And you're capable, like you're capable of working in the same building as this person, even though that fucking sucks. I can't, I, I hate that we live in a world in which that is a possibility. And also I know we live in that world. So I, so I want to create pathways in our language in our brains and our coping mechanisms for that reality to not have power over us like our abusers did does that make sense Mm. and i know i'm saying Mm -hmm. like a lot of nuanced things here and obviously y'all know that like again i want this letter writer to be safe i want this abuser to not get this job i want absolutely the letter writer to have boundaries that keep them physically safe emotionally safe you know and also i know that like she doesn't have power over these other departments, like she says. And like the, the reality of this is very real. So what if it happens? I, we have to have survival strategies, you know? And, and also I've already said this, but I'm just say it again, just for like legal reasons. Maybe the survival strategy is quitting that job and moving out of that city. And if that is, again, I'll help you fucking move. Like I want you to, 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 I want you to survive this fucking piece of shit. You already did, yep. and I, I don't want you to have to deal with them every day. For sure. Yeah, and I think um, I think one of the things that I've learned a lot about um, doing a significant amount of uh, like trauma, PTSD-informed therapy is that trauma teaches us a couple things. Well, it teaches us a lot of things, yeah. but one of those things is that we have to control things in order for it to prevent bad things from happening, right? And that the story that we often tell ourselves in trauma, the story that I told myself about my trauma yeah. was that like, if I had paid more attention, if I had done more things, if I had not done particular things, somehow I could have prevented this bad thing from happening because it it means that then I can take the control of the situation and prevent it from happening to me ever again, Right. And yeah. this idea of like putting the lotus of control on us makes it easier to live in a world where bad things can just happen. 
right? And we can't anticipate them and they are unexpected and they happen to people who are good and who are doing all the right things. Right. Um, and so I want to say to you also, like, I want you to be looking for places where you are fixating or where you're really focusing on things that are outside of your control in a way that's sort of telling yourself, if you can have more control, if you can do more things, you can keep yourself safe, right? Yeah. And safe, we want to talk about safety again, right? It may be very possible that this situation is literally unsafe for right. you. And if that is the case, we believe you and please like do what you need to do, like Sierra said, to get out of it. And in my experience of my own trauma, my idea of safety has been deeply shaken, right? And my idea of safety is about anticipating things that are unlikely to happen because I feel like if I can anticipate all of the different things that could possibly happen, I can prevent them from happening and I will keep myself safe from all of these different situations, which is not actually helpful, right? <laughs> which is not actually true. And so where are places where you are really focusing on this idea of safety? Because you were taught that things are unsafe, right? In that relationship, that's what you learned is that things were deeply, deeply unsafe. And it has changed you profoundly yeah. to, to recognize the fact that things that were supposed to bring you stability, love, kindness, instead brought you a lot of pain, a lot of physical unsafety, a lot of harm, um, and how deeply hard it is to navigate with this new understanding of the fact that the things that we loved and trusted could also be the things that are going to also deeply hurt us. And so I want to say to you, you cannot control whether or not this man gets hired by the city. You can't. It is not in your, it is not in your locus of control. You've done the things. You've talked yeah. to HR, you've talked to your boss, you've done things to, to, to reasonably like that are inside of your control. I'll say that, that are available to you in this moment. But it is not in your control to decide whether or not this man gets a job. It's not in your control to decide whether or not this man runs into you on the street or at the coffee shop or in the park or wherever it is you might run into him. And so letting go of that need for control can help us focus on what is actually happening here. What sort of emotions, experiences are coming up for us in this moment that are taking us back to that traumatic time, that are reminding us of that traumatic time. My therapist talks about it in a way of like, our brains and hearts are trying to protect us from the pain of these really core emotions around anger, around fear, around sadness, by giving us all of these off-ramps into other places where we can spend our time rather than having to deal with the big fire that is these really intense emotions. So we take the off-ramp away from that fire towards anxiety around controlling things that are happening to us. We take the off-road to not have to deal with it in order to focus on um, self-medicating, right? Disassociating, right? But part of the work is, is sort of acknowledging the fact that those things aren't actually keeping us safe from these big emotions, the the things on fire, right? Yeah. Like it's always going to be on fire, whether we're there or whether we're trying to like go tinker in the, the shed while the house is on fire, right? So how are you really, really thinking about and processing through all of the different emotions that are coming from you from this trauma? That's what I've been doing in my, in my therapy with my therapist. I don't know if that's going to work for you, right? Because you're in a different body and you have a very different experience, but it's something that I would think about talking to your therapist about to, to really dig into 
How are you processing through the trauma of this? And in what ways are you using stories about what that trauma meant or why it happened or how it's changed you to create situations where you are fixated on things that are outside of your control or causing yourself to feel more anxiety? Again, very anxious to be in this situation, 100%. Like that is a justifiable emotion and totally understandable. And what are some ways that you can help support yourself in tempering some of that anxiety or or finding a way to recognize what is happening here in the moment and what the story you're telling yourself about what could happen and where the difference between those two things is. Yeah. And I know we've said a couple of times, like you have permission to stay in this job and thrive and you have permission to leave this job if it no longer feels safe. Um, I guess I want to just like offer one perspective shift like internally so that you can, that might bring you comfort and might not, who knows. Um, but like, I want to affirm how deeply frustrating it is to feel like this is a shadow that keeps following you around, that this is a threat, Mm -hmm. right? You just want to like wash your hands of it and be done. Like that's so frustrating and so real. I want to shift the perspective away from this man is still controlling my life to I am controlling how this man is in my life to the best of my abilities, meaning... Mm -hmm. I'm going to control, you know, Sam just talked about how we can't control anything, which is more true than what I'm about to say. <laughs> but like <laughs> what why I'm offering that perspective shift is like if you do choose to leave this job because you cannot continually and sustainably find peace and safety there, mm-hmm. that is so valid and and like two thumbs up from me on that choice. And I want you I offer the perspective shift. He did not make me lose this job. I chose myself. I chose my safety over this piece of shit, right? And I yep. know we mm-hmm. get, I know that's hard. Like we lose things all the time. We lose opportunities and jobs and relationships and apartments. And, you know, life is full of loss and it's not fair. There's nothing I can say in this letter whatsoever that is going to make any of this fair. And And maybe we can just like sit in that unfairness with you and just mm-hmm. be like, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry you're even in this position. You know, it absolutely nothing about this doesn't suck except for your new love, your your cats, your mm-hmm. cool new job. Like for sure, none of this is fair. But it, but even if we start linguistically to to stop assigning him control, it's not yep. that he made me leave this job. I chose myself. I chose my peace just as I chose to heal and leave this relationship. Yep. Yeah. I mean, even if you have options, even if those, the options that you want the most aren't available to you, you still have power and control over how you respond to the situation. Right. And, and it's important to remember that because it's important to remember those places where we do have control so that we can focus on them and empower ourselves to say, I may not have the option available to to me to be in this job without him here. And I still have options available to me. I'm still in control of how this is going to go because I can either figure out how to stay here if that's what I want to do, or I can leave. I can find a job in a different place. I could move. All of those things are available to you, even if it feels like 
you're being sort of forced into them. Yeah. Um, it, because it sucks. It sucks that the possibility that this man could get hired at this this job that you love so much. Um, but that doesn't mean that you don't have power in how you want to deal with that reality. Yeah. You're powerful. We love you. We believe in you. And we believe this story, this experience of yours. Um, I think that you are going to go on to thrive wherever you are planted to thrive. For sure. Thank you so much for inviting me, Darlene. Thank you so much. We love you. All right, y'all, that brings us to the blind date segment of this episode. Every show, we like to shout out something that we love, that we want to set you up with. And this week, we are sending you home with... A TV show called Star Trek uh, Strange New Worlds on Paramount+. Plus. Uh, <laughs> it's great. Uh, they just, all of the episodes are available now. So they had a 10-episode season that just ended, which is great. So if you want to sign up for the free Paramount Plus uh, nice. thing, the seven-day subscription, you can do that because they are now all available. Um, I think everyone knows that I'm like a huge Star Trek fan, um, have been since I was a kid. And been loving this like reemergence of all of these different Star Trek shows. I absolutely love Discovery. I love Picard. And I am absolutely in love with uh, Strange New Worlds. It's, it is episodic, right? It's more monster of a week than like Big Bad, which I love because it's like, it's bringing me back to watching Star Trek Voyager when I was like eight years old and being like, yes, every episode, there's a new planet, there's a new species, there's a new experience. Um, And it follows... You know, there's a bridge crew and it follows like different members of those bridge cr- that bridge crew in different episodes. So it feels like we're like getting to know people in a really meaningful way, which is delightful. Um, and for me, it feels like the most like authentically Star Trek-y version of the show that has come out in recent Cute. years. Um, and it's just making me really excited. It's like something happens at the beginning and then by the end, that thing is resolved. You know, it's like it's very contained. It's like, yep, cool. Love that. Um, and there are some like overarching elements that makes it feel a little bit more of the now, but, um, I've really enjoyed it. It's really great. I mean, check out all of the Star Trek stuff on, um, Paramount plus it's all really good, but I've really enjoyed getting into the new show, which is called Star Trek strange new worlds available on Paramount plus. Fantastic. All right, everyone. Thank you so much for listening. You can like us on Facebook and you can follow us on Twitter and Instagram and also TikTok too. So that's yep. exciting. We are TikToking. <laughs> you can slide into our DMs, send us your favorite relationship memes, but most importantly, you can submit your questions about all matters of the heart at justbreakapod.com, which is also where you can find our merchandise and tickets to our upcoming live show happening that's right. on September 30th uh, in St. Paul, Minnesota. Tickets at JustBreakUpPod.com. Come see us. It's going to be super fun. Uh, please also remember to follow, subscribe, leave us a five-star rating and review wherever you get your podcasts and consider supporting us on Patreon. If you support us on Patreon for as little as $5 a month, you'll get an additional bonus weekly episode. That's Patreon.com slash JustBreakUpPod. This literally keeps the mics on and helps us reach more brokenhearted souls who need two random strangers giving them relationship advice. Just Break Up is a production of Duvid Media, original music, recording, producing all magical things by our good friend Spencer Worth Davis, a.k.a. Big Cats. Make sure to check out his podcast, Finding Quantum Quest. And remember, if someone hasn't told you lately, Sam and I believe you.
We mm. believe your experience. We believe your heart. We believe all the work you've put into it. We believe that those choices that you made when you weren't at your best were your best, but now you know better. We believe you. And if all else fails, just break up. <laughs>